Fill my arms, the weight is gone My eyes are wide, I'm moving on This is Farm Talk Radio, and I am your host, Farmer Mike. On today's episode, I sit down with Michael Roberts of Winterlong Brewing. He is a chef here in Whitehorse, he is an advocate of the local food system, and we talk about the gifts and challenges of being a chef in Canada's great north. So I'm sitting down live with Michael Roberts, a chef. He lives up here in Whitehorse. Michael, would you mind introducing yourself to our listeners? Hi, I'm uh, Michael Roberts, and I'm a chef and barman at Winterlong Brewing, Whitehorse, Yukon. And I'm sitting down here with uh, Michael Wilson to talk about food. <laughs> Perfect. I passed you on your fat bike on your way to work today. Yeah. Um, the, the climate's pretty intense up here. What, what do you do to stay warm? It sounds like you're usually hanging out around an oven and uh, <laughs> baking some bread. So yeah. would you mind starting with that? Sure. Um, yeah, actually, bread has been a fairly new passion of mine. Um, something I started doing when I actually came to Whitehorse. Um, I was given a book called Tartine Bread. And, um, yeah, it um, was a challenge and it hooked me. Uh, baking bread in a very different way using a sourdough starter. Okay. So a, a leaven that you keep yourself. Um, yeah. It was a challenge and... Um, something that wasn't easy and but it seemed to interest me it got me and I wanted to just keep going um it was I think the first couple of loaves you taste it and you're like oh man I've never (laughs) tasted bread quite like this before um yeah is that mostly sourdoughs yeah so it's a sourdough style of bread um and uh Chad Robertson the co-owner of Tartine Bakery is uh, talks in the book about his sort of passion for bread and a different style of bread and he talks about using the highest quality grains available to him and yeah. using a method that hydrates the grains and ferments the grains to make them more digestible for readers and there's a lot of research around this style of bread um, stating that it's more digestible and maybe certain people that are susceptible to sort of stomach issues with gluten or Mm -hmm. wheat this kind of bread might be something that they could eat due to the process of the fermentation and the breakdown of the grains and the high hydration in the bread Um, so there's like a lot more of a there's a bit more of a story behind the bread which is more interesting um to me, uh, you yeah. you were talking about some of the grains you used, and one of them you brought up specifically yeah. from BC. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I've been really lucky to um, uh, had access to a mill. Somebody lent me a mill um, um, in the last sort of six months, and I've been sort of delving into milling my own grain, <laughs> which is really fun. Um, but we live in Whitehorse, and obviously. 
our access to like, any local grain is pretty minimal. Uh, been, yeah. There has been some farms that have grown some, but so basically I've been I've been shipping up grains. Um, I'm an advocate for local food and cool. organic food and high quality ingredients. So I've been pushing to find myself some good grain and I found a couple of websites um, and a couple of farms and distributors who were distributing grain and um, I've been sort of delving into the heritage grains so there's Neat. a few of them and um, before uh, Einkorn, Emma, Kamut and Spelt Neat. so these are sort of the slightly more old world, old world yeah. more digestible simple simpler molecular makeup understanding where flour comes from and how it actually happens you know you, you get yourself a mill and you throw yeah. some grain in you think the flour just comes out the hole and it's perfect good to go but you know depending on the grain some grind finer than others sometimes you okay. have to put them through flour is actually sifted so like wow. white flour is effectively a sifted whole grain that they've taken all the bran and the germ away from and wow it's so and you know like uh, the more I've learned and the more I've read about bread and grains and milling you know you have to, depending on what you're going for in the start of bread sifting some of the bran off can be a really good method to actually get a more cohesive dough sure. get a better like structure in the dough some of that bran is actually can be a little bit of a negative in, in the bread making, even though obviously there's there's a lot of good nutrients and fiber in that stuff. But you can use it elsewhere. Obviously you can use it in baking and Okay. Um, so it wouldn't necessarily be waste, it's something you can no, repurpose. And no, and that's that's a good challenge. Um yeah. and it's definitely something that in in my philosophy of food and cooking is using whole ingredients and whole food mm -hmm. is something I like and trying not to have waste and you know okay so I just sifted off 500 grams from five kilos of grain what am I going to do sure um, so yeah it, it it's it's a really interesting process and it's been it's been fascinating to have that opportunity to do that yeah um it hasn't been a cheap hobby no uh, i'm sure especially importing grain from organic BC, yeah. heritage grains <laughs> is a pretty pricey um thing and and maybe an unsustainable um project perhaps if i were to ever sell any bread it would, yeah. it would be tough to make a loaf of bread and then ask you know a considerable amount of money for it um, yeah it, it it's uh but the process is something that I've really enjoyed, and um, people that have tried my bread and and I give it and I give it away, and and people people love it. There's nothing mm -hmm. quite like it currently here in Whitehorse, um, and uh, yeah, it, it's been really fun. Um, it's a very very different product. Uh, it's not fluffy and it's not yeah uh, like it's, a, it's a much denser. It's, loaf. it's a much more dense, flavoursome. You know, crusty on the outside, soft and tender and moist on the nice. inside. So it's different, um, and it lasts arguably longer. But okay. you need to know how to look after a loaf. Sure. It's not, you're not just going to stick it in a plastic bag and it's going to be great. Okay. Um, what would you do with it? Would you? So I mean, like you tend within the first twenty-four to forty hours, yeah. you can just use it and it can be kept out. The crust is a pretty good protector. Okay. Um, and then after that. You, if you, 
you're not really going to get the, the freshness anymore. Um, so you're probably going to toast it. Nice. Um, or if you do want that fresh feel, like uh, putting some water on the outside and reheating the bread is a really great way to feel like you've got that fresh bread of grain. Um, but in terms of it going mouldy or rotting, the fermentation process and that sourdough leaven in there seems to keep it. Neat. So I've had a, I've had loads in bags for several weeks before any wow. sort of, you know, beyond two or three weeks before anything, it, it dries out, yeah. it's hard as a rock, but yeah. you can rehydrate it with a bit of water and put it in the oven and you have, you have some bread. So um, it's a, it's been a, an interesting sort of, you know, process to find out how to keep it and looking at that from a sort of a customer point of view if it was ever to be sold is an interesting one because hey this is something that you might have to learn how to like keep yeah just because it's gone hard it doesn't mean it's bad you need to Mm -hmm. so it's a bit more involved on the side of the consumer as well which is potentially actually quite interesting because that's helping educate them about the bread but also about the food system in a larger context Um, and maybe we'll, we'll delve into that a little bit. You mentioned kind of a, a food talk that was held here in the Yukon yeah. in the summer. And if you could go into a bit of detail about that, that would yeah, be fantastic. I was uh, lucky enough to be a, involved in a, um, a food festival here in Whitehorse called Food Talks. Um, it was called Food Talks 2. It was the second one they've done. And it was... Uh, run and organised by Goofies, which is a organisation here called, um, stands for Growers of Organic Food, Yukon. Cool. So it's a collection of organic certified farmers and a few um, establishments in Whitehorse that try to sell organic food and use organic food in their establishments. Um, and I was one of the four chefs asked to be part of the festival and do some cooking. Um, the festival really wanted to highlight uh, the big picture when it comes to food. Yeah. Um, it was pretty meat animal centric um, in that there was a, a, a slaughter available to watch. Was that a, a cow? Uh, a, a, a beef and a pig. Um, yeah. Both locally raised, born and raised animals. Um, the idea behind that part was to <laughs> was to show people that there is a a life is lost mm-hmm. when you eat meat, and to show people the whole process. Um, I think there's a big there's a big gap in people's understanding and knowledge and awareness of what it takes to eat meat. Sure. Um, and it wasn't a big event. Um, obviously, not a particularly popular event to yeah. go to, but um, it was an interesting idea that um, people could come and see that and understand and be shown the process. And uh, the people that run it are loving for their animals mm-hmm. and very, very proud of what they do. So it was really good to see, you know, a clean operation where great tech care is taken for the animal right yep. up until it is killed yeah. and then after it's being processed in a obviously a, a clean and efficient and healthy way that um, provides 
the consumer with a really good meat product. Mm-hmm. Um, you talked yesterday just about kind of that feeling in the room, um, yeah. kind of the before and then the after. Yeah, it was very interesting. Um, it, it was outside. Uh, and it, was a, it was a small crowd of maybe 20, 25 people. Yeah. And um, the, in sort of the feeling around the crowd up, up until the animal was killed was very tense. Yeah. Um, but as soon as that that had happened, the, the the gun was fired. There was a big sigh, and people mm. relaxed, and, and it was very much like this is now meat, mm-hmm. um, which is very interesting. Yeah. Like, in that, like that's fascinating. It was people, you know, people were scared, and they were sort of off, you know, more put off about maybe me and this process. And yeah. As soon as the animal was dead, it was like everybody was relaxed and way more interested in what was about to happen next. Sure. But people were shying away from that, so. It's mm. an interesting one um, mm-hmm. because obviously, my 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 feeling and having been exposed to that a little more around me is that I think we need to understand that process and definitely know that it happens. We don't need to necessarily go and watch it. Yeah. But if we're going to eat meat, we are taking lives, and mm-hmm. if we're going to do that, maybe there's a way to do it um, with a more compassion, compassion for the animal. Um, and these animals have had you know great lives and yeah. they had space and good feed and yeah it was a that was a good a really interesting day and obviously there was a lot of really interesting conversations around that process and some very knowledgeable people to answer those questions and um, following that day that evening um, four of our, four of us uh, had been given offal parts yeah. from cows and pigs and we were asked to do a tasting menu for a group of people um, with all the offal and the odd bits of the animal that are often not, not used thrown away, processed in factories into processed meats that people probably aren't aware that are used or thrown away, put in pet food Wow. Um, so yeah we were given we were given 12 14 pieces and we picked picked okay. these pieces out of a hat no um, and we had to come up with dishes oh, uh, right on the spot like. uh, or we, did you have a bit of time we had a bit of time okay. uh, we, were, we were cooking for yeah. 40 people so okay. we had a bit of time wow um, and it was you know it was liver it was heart um, blood feet ears tongue. yeah all the all the interesting parts sure. and it was for me I, I, I've been delving into sort of offal and whole animals yeah. prior to that so I had a little experience and partly why they asked me to come along because they knew, the farmers knew that I was quite passionate about that and um, I was quite lucky in the things that I picked Okay, I got pig's feet Yeah, I got liver and I had uh, jowls which wow. are the jugular of the yeah. pig um, quite below the tender, chin. quite yeah, very no. fatty. Yeah. Um, what did you make with those? Uh, with the jowls, I I I actually sous vide them for I sous vide them for seventy two hours. Wow. In a a local rhubarb beer. Oh man. And I served that on a 
tostada with a rhubarb salsa. Oh god, um, that sounds incredible. It was really good. <laughs> it was really good. It was. It's lucky. That was a lucky piece because yeah. really jowl is like a very fatty bacon. Yeah. So, um, it was. That wasn't the hard one. Um, liver is also probably one of the more common offals. Yeah. Um, and I did a terrine with a mixed liver, so I was given boar ter- boar liver and beef liver. Um, and I did a mix, um, and I was given, I found some, I was given some local cranberries that weren't in, and I made made a local chutney with (coughs) onions and, and I made some bread. Fantastic. That was my other, it was one of my other little dishes, and I actually used some spent grain from the brewery in the bread. Wow. So I made a sourdough, um. A winter long sourdough. A winter long sourdough. Took some of the spent grain and, um. Yeah, you, you fold it to the dough. Uh, wow. It gives it a bit more of a texture. Okay. Um, and then the final one was pig's feet, which is a really interesting part. Um, there's lots of dishes have been done in the past mm. with those. Um, some really challenging French cuisine dishes. Okay. Stuffed trotters. People have deboned them. And wow. Cooked them three different ways. Oh, my and God. Chilled. And <laughs> It's that and the other, and I was like, oh, I've got to do this for 40 people, that's quite a lot, um, and I wanted to do something that was more accessible, that people could maybe mm-hmm. understand, and maybe think, well, if I ever have access to feet, well, sure. maybe I could do that. So I made a stock, cool. um, and pig's feet happened to make probably some of the best pork stock around. Yeah, um, quite flavorful. Oh, it is unctuous, it is gelatinous, and... Yeah, it was. I made a sort of a sweet and spicy pond sour soup, um, and it was a hit. People were with it. It was yeah. great, and I could. People were like, "Oh, okay, yeah, maybe I could do that." Mm-hmm. Um, you just have to be aware that there's quite a few bones in the feet, so sure. <laughs> strain yeah. your stock. Yeah, because there's going to be some small bones in there. Okay. Um, yeah, that that food festival was was it was such a great thing to be part of because. We had access to local food and local ingredients, and it was at the end of the growing season in Whitehorse, Yukon. Um, so there was an abundance of local ingredients that we had access to. Um, yeah. um, probably the first time that I've cooked a whole meal where everything was local. Wow. Yeah. Um, maybe apart from like a few seasoning sources, like vinegar sure. or whatever, but... It was really phenomenal, and I felt quite lucky um, mm-hmm. because, yeah, it, it's hard to eat 100% local up here. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I felt very lucky, and it was amazing. Things taste really good. Mm. Um, Even to use so much of the animal, too, right? Yeah. I mean, that's... Yeah, it was, it, it was great, and people really enjoyed, and they were impressed, and I think... <laughs> their eyes were opened to perhaps using other parts of the animal and they're then yeah. thrown away or they're not to be scared of um, mm-hmm. yeah it was a really it was really good uh, I, I guess in the broader context like <clears throat> what are some of the challenges of being a chef here being a chef in Whitehorse in the north where you have a very short growing season yeah I mean if if your principles lie in wanting to use local food, and then mm-hmm. you, you're you're opening yourself to a big challenge. Yeah. Um, I've been cooking at Winterlong for two years, and uh, um, 
I challenged myself to use local protein um, yeah. and I, I've managed to succeed and that's been challenging in the way that I've had to develop relationships and manage my ingredients mm-hmm. and make sure that I have enough to go through the year and yeah. you know, uh, hey farmer can I get three pigs this year Okay. <laughs> kind of thing yeah. freezers yeah. are a big thing in my yeah. sort of uh, <laughs> cooking <laughs> experience is I want to offer local meat because yeah. it's better um, and I'm proud of it um, and I'm supporting local industry and agriculture um, but it's challenging because it is a little more costly yeah. so some people don't see the benefit to it sure um yeah, I, it's. I guess it challenges you creatively too, right? Like you're. Yeah. You're, you have a short growing season. You have different ingredients that you sure. would in a major urban center, and the access to them is, for a much shorter period. Yeah. Um. In terms of vegetables and fruits, I mean, we are really we're, we're on short supply. Yeah. Up here. Um, do you have sort of three to four months where it's you're getting yeah, your harvest, it's like but it's absolutely. even I stretching mean, it? It's stretching it. Yeah. Root vegetables, if you're clever, uh, um, I think you can plan to have root vegetables through the winter. Sure. Um, I think it's hard to offer them on a larger scale. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a there's there's a local bakery that are now asking farmers to grow vegetables for them, and they have cold storage. Cool. And they're actually managing to survive like, nearly a whole winter using local locally grown organic wow. vegetables, which is amazing. So that's pretty inspiring. Um, and that they've offered their produce to me, which is great. So nice. I've been able to buy some. Um, yeah, it's a challenge. It's a mm-hmm. challenge. Um, so developing that relationship with farmers, yeah. planning well ahead, it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think it's almost impossible. Yeah. Um, we live up here, <laughs> and maybe it, it, it's an unsustainable like place to live in terms of a, yeah. local, a local food system. Interesting. Um, the biggest thing that I've tried to do since is in this year was this summer was grow 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 my own food yeah for you know myself and my partner at yeah. home we tried to grow a lot of vegetables nice. and herbs and supplement our groceries uh, yeah. by using our garden and and it's fun and you learn yeah. and you understand and if you're into food and you you quickly realize that most of the stuff you're going to grow is probably going to taste better than what you can buy here. Sure. Um, it's fresher. Yeah. Um, it hasn't been on the road for a week. Yeah. That probably was picked two or three weeks ago, right? Yeah. Um, it's not getting hot and then cold and then hot. And then so, cold. yeah, I mean, in terms of the winter, that's the biggest challenge. Uh, mm. I think, you know, there's a few local people doing cool things with containers and UV yeah. lights and yeah. maybe that will continue to be pushed and maybe we'll have access but on the large scale I think it's a pretty yeah it's a pretty tough challenge 
Yeah, I guess what are what are some of those gifts then that being a chef up here has brought to you? Like it, it must have changed your outlook. Your for sure. I mean, coming from the UK and a, a huge population, and yeah, uh, coming to a small town, super rural, super remote. I I've had access to f- local food. I, I chose to. Uh, to sort of follow that and pursue trying to use local food and, and the gift has been having access to it and cool. choosing that it's been it's been really great and the, everything that I've learned from following that choice has been it's been great uh, from buying whole animals and understanding yeah. the breaking down of an animal and different cuts and learning that actually buying a whole animal is way better um, mm-hmm. you get way more food yeah. it's more cost effective um, yeah it's it, there's, there's a lot of learning I think that's taken place and will continue to take place um, and and having the support of Winterlong the, the owners are you know they're fans and supporters of local food and produce and yeah when we teamed up and I was like I want to use local food wherever possible they were like that's great and sure. you know people support it yeah I think I think it tastes better actually I know it does yeah <laughs> um, and I think people are, you know it, it's something to be proud of yeah um, and it is having those harder conversations right about treating an animal properly about sourcing ethically and sustainably sure. and it's Absolutely. yeah seeing what you've done here like I've only been here a few times I've tried yeah. a few of your dishes more yeah. home cooked in the past but yeah. to try your scotch eggs here at the <laughs> brewery those are fantastic yeah and just to see the menu like and and the beer list it is all inspired by the north and yeah. is there I guess to leave off is there kind of a dish that you would have that would be inspired by the north or maybe it's more of a folk cuisine picture but is there one that you think would kind of help put Whitehorse on the map or help maybe well with I think with the theme of local food here and what's most accessible it has to be something protein based sure yeah Um, we have a lot of great farmers farming pork yeah. So maybe something with pork. We also have lots of berries, and mm-hmm. so maybe something with cranberries or blueberries. I don't know. <laughs> a, a, a sourdough on the side. A sourdough on the side <laughs> that would work. Yeah. Maybe it's maybe, hard. Maybe a sausage stew with cranberries okay. and a sa- slice of sourdough on the side. That would be pretty good. That sounds beautiful. Maybe I'd have to use some winter long beer. Yeah. <laughs> To braise that, to braise the stew. Yeah. That sounds fantastic. Which one would you use just from looking at your list there right oh, now? Oh, my favourite beer to cook with is definitely the stout. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> definitely the stout. And I guess to finish off today, do you have a chef that you look up to or someone who kind of got you interested in cooking? Whoa. Um, who do I look up to? I think most recently, probably probably Chad Robinson at Tartine Bakery. Been yeah. following him, and I've read his books, and 
he's very passionate about using the highest quality ingredients for flavor yeah. primarily and yeah. usually 99% of the time if you're chasing the high quality ingredients there's a good story around its production sure. and it's probably ethical and the, the growers are compassionate yeah. and passionate about what they're doing yeah um, and yeah he, he I think the bread thing has been my biggest thing outside of winter long and my personal challenge and yeah he's definitely pushed me neat um, to you know do something different mm-hmm. yeah and I love just how that's fed into the rest of how you think about cooking mm. and sourcing and it's sure. that's a really good place to end off I think thanks Um, for having me yeah thank you so much for being on today and uh, we're going to open up the doors soon so yeah absolutely cool big thanks to Michael Roberts for sitting down with us today if you're in Whitehorse go by the brewery say hello Try some of their beer. Try one of his scotch eggs. They are delicious. You can find me on the road. I'm currently in San Francisco, California. On next week's episode, I sit down with Tadek of Solvest. He is a young entrepreneur. He's growing food year-round in Whitehorse in a crop box system. This is incredible. It has the potential to really change the question of food security in the North. You don't want to miss that. As always, thank you for listening. Rate us, review us, and keep your shovel in the ground and stay tuned for more Farm Talk. I get it right, could all go wrong. Everywhere to go Find me on the road